on my trip, our trip, Charlotte and Barbara and me, basically it started out fairly good. We um, were able to go and stop in Tulsa, took a day and a half, you know, to get to Tulsa. And of course, they would probably like it to be two short days instead of one long, long day if <laughs> one short day. But I like to get as far as I can. And we spent Sabbath, um, that first Sabbath there in Tulsa with my daughter and, uh, and her husband and kids. It was beautiful. I mean, it was great that we could spend some time with someone new coming along and, and have a relaxing time on the Sabbath, not being cooped up in a motel someplace and, you know, and not being able to really enjoy the Sabbath. From there, we went on to to uh, Tennessee and were able to stay. And everything was great all the way through Tennessee except for it was raining in Tennessee. Probably something we would have liked to see here. <laughs> After we left Tennessee is when the problems began. Here, you know, here I am. I've been in the church for 40-some years. My wife's been in the church 40-some years. And, you know, we're thinking God should be blessing us. You know, he's given us a good trip so far. He's really blessed us, hasn't he? So we got down to Macon, Georgia. <laughs> Macon has been a problem with me and my wife for years. I think one of the times we went through Macon, we lost the transmission. <laughs> I forget the last, another time something happened. This time, we were chewing along, you know, 70 miles an hour down the interstate. The truck quit. <laughs> I mean, it just quit. No matter what I did, it quit. So we were beside the road, about two miles from an exit, which wasn't too bad. And uh, again, God sent somebody out by. I think it was a blessing. He sent someone by to give us a hand. And he he was going north. We were heading south, and uh, he was in a business truck. And he turned around and came back, and he took me into a place where I could get some stuff to help start my truck. I hate to say what I did, but. Um, we we shot it to the uh, the thing. It started up. As soon as you took your foot off, the accelerator died. Then it wouldn't start. We had to sit for four or five minutes, and it started up again. So this time, when we got it running, I made my wife slide over. And it's difficult for Charlotte because she's her legs don't operate good, and her back is in. And this is a pickup truck with a steering. You know, with a shifting arm in the center, you know, and she's got to try to slide around it. But anyway, we got it, and we headed down the highway again. Okay, we're all right now. God's taking care of us. You know, we're being blessed. And we stopped and got some fuel and took some... Some effort to get it started again. And we, we made it to Florida. Not far in Florida. <laughs> we made it to Jasper, Florida. It died again, and you know, it didn't want to run anymore. So, we asked God for help, and he sent us some telephone calls. And being an Israelite, and knowing more than God knows, <laughs> I decided on some other program, <laughs> and went to an uh, auto shop. And I should have known when I got there that, that God wasn't wanting me there, because I had to tell the guy where the fuel pump was, and that's pretty bad when you're telling a mechanic what he's had to do. Well, eventually we got it to Florida, to, you know, down to our daughter's house, and things kept going downhill, and here I am, a veteran, so to speak, in the church, you know, why, I'm supposed to be blessed, and nothing's working, everything's going bad. Had a tire blow out. Got the truck down there and it's going to be Thanksgiving coming up. Of course, I didn't hear the Thanksgiving sermon until that Sunday because I forgot to tell you up there in Jasper we were stuck in a motel room on the Sabbath and couldn't hear the sermon. So, so I did hear the sermon and I thought after I heard the sermon, yeah, you shouldn't have been down here on, the, on Thanksgiving maybe. Maybe God was trying to tell you something. But anyway, things kept going downhill. And I kept thinking, as a human being, as an Israelite, you know, I thought, you know, I think right now back, Israel, God, remember they were in Egypt, 
They've been there for 430 years. And God comes along and he makes them go through some of the plagues to say, I want to get your attention. See? You're human. I want your attention. And then he gives them a blessing by not putting them through any more plagues. And what do they do? Soon they get up to the Red Sea. God's already blessed them. I mean, here's a fantastic blessing. They get up to the Red Sea and says, is God blessing us now? He's not blessing. He's blessed right to kill us. See, these things go through my mind, too, because, you know, I'm a veteran. I'm, I'm a servant of God. I've been around. I've served the church for years. I've helped widows, take care of sound. Um, I've done all kinds of things. So here in Israel, what did they do? They looked down on God, didn't they? He brought us out here to kill us. Every time they turned around, he gave them water. Oh, you brought us out here before they got to war. Oh, you brought us out here to starve to death. He gave them food. So prior to the food, oh, we've got to have more food. So he gave them, he gave them quail so it came out of their ears. <laughs> they still weren't satisfied. They still wanted more blessings. He gave them his commandments. He took them over and said, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you the blessing that I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So they sent scouts up there and said, Man, this is fantastic land. But they've got wall cities. They've got giants. They've got more arms than we've got. You only want us here to kill us. And God said, okay. <laughs> if that's what you want, I'll let you have what you want. So here I'm sitting back here in Jasper, Georgia, and down there in Florida saying, God's giving me what I wanted, I guess. He wants me to learn something. <laughs> They didn't learn. He said, okay, you don't want to go up and read this in Deuteronomy. And Moses rehearsed that first chapter of Deuteronomy, chapter 1, 2, and 3. He rehearsed all that with these people at the end of the 40th year. He said, okay, you don't want to go up there, don't go up there. You can stay out in the desert for 40 years. Oh, no, 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 we, we, we'll go up there and take it. We'll go up there and take the land. God says, don't do it. No, 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 we'll do it. You'll be with us. They still didn't learn. Everybody wants to take and solve their problems for themselves, don't they? That's the natural tendency is to solve the problems. Not to let God solve it. So we ask God for blessings, don't we? Do we? How many times have you done that? God bless me. Here we live on these beautiful properties. I'm going to say, God, shower your blessings on us. That's what we're asking for, isn't it? Showering blessings on us. What, what are the blessings we want? Did we hear that in the sermon then? We want blessings for me. I want to be blessed. So what are blessings? Look at that. Blessings are something that is desirable and beneficial. Oh, well, see, that fits down the line, doesn't it? I want blessings that are desirable to me and beneficial to me. I want a great job. I want a new car. I want a truck that breaks down. I want, you know, plenty of food. I want a brand new house. Well, I'd like to see uh, a little bit of snow now and then and a lot of rain so I can see all the gardens grow and you know, grass to grow. Some of the less wind, you know, get some of that wind. You want to be blessed with them. Is that, is that what it is? They're desirable. And those things are beneficial. Is that what we really look for? And we want to bless each other, don't we? Well, men give blessings. They do it all the time. You know, you can think of what the Catholic Church does. They, people go up there and ask a man for a blessing. Can he do it for him? Well, he can ask God, but the problem is, what Gordon pointed out, these people do not know Emmanuel. They know Christ, who is a um, wannabe Christ. What they have is a 
identity theft Christ is what they're looking for. But we know Emmanuel. And so men can give blessings and they ask God for blessings and favor and good for other people. And surely we should do that. Truly we should be doing that. We should be asking God to bless other people. Especially those in the church. And I'm not meaning just here. Because this is not all of the church. It's, it's in a lot of places. We're just one little congregation while we chose that as a name. A congregation. A identity of God. So men bless each other. You could look in the Bible, you see where the patriarchs blessed each other. Or blessed others. Uh, one example would be there in Genesis 49, where Jacob blessed his sons. But, you know, when he blessed his sons, how many of those people really received those blessings? He said to Joseph, I'm going to give you the best places on earth. Those people didn't receive it. When did they receive it? When did Ephraim and Manasseh receive the blessings? Not in their lifetime, did they? Not for thousands of years has that ever come about. And yet, men give blessings. And so, we look for something that's beneficial and something that is desirable. And those blessings were. But I want to go through some blessings of God. God given blessings. And maybe we don't always think of what God gives as a blessing. We think of blessings of, of God are here. Let's turn to Deuteronomy, chapter 28. This is called the <clears throat> Blessings and Cursings chapter. For good reason. Because it offers both in there. Let's start here in Deuteronomy, ch- chapter 28, verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God, to observe and to do all his commandments which I command you this day, that the Lord your God will set you on a high above all the nations of the earth. God has promised that to that nation. And what did this nation do? It's been blessed above all the nations of the world. Everybody wants what this country has because of the blessings that came through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, to this nation. But here's another aspect. He says to us today, because we know the Bible was written for us, that if we as an individual, as a person, it has to be an individual thing, will observe and do all his commandments. He, the Father, will set us above everybody else. Not only us, but those who he is selecting in that process. And all these blessings, verse 2, shall come upon you and overtake you if you shall hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. This is something for us to consider. This is a blessing to us. A blessing that all those things that God has to offer will overtake us. But it requires something on our part, doesn't it? A lot of reaction, a lot of putting your shoulder in the grindstone and your nose to the, to the wheel or whatever, shoulder the road and nose to the grindstone. A lot of hard work. It takes a lot of commitment. It takes a lot of dedication. Verse 3. Blessed shall you be in the city. We have a little city here. Can we imagine being blessed in this little community? Like God's offer to Israel? 
Well, we look at the nation today, and I think one of the things I can learn from my experience in the past month is that the cities are not blessed today in this country. If you have a local TV channel, which is Phoenix, turn it on. How many blessings do you hear in Phoenix on a daily basis? Well, you hear the blessing of this person murdered and that person stealing children and, and uh, auto wrecks and armed robbery and hate and violence and somebody gets upset because they took a card that I should have had in a card game or drank a beer. I can remember back in Houston, murders down at the dock because somebody picked up somebody else's beer. And what? At that time, a dollar beer shoot and kill somebody? Are these blessings in the city? Well, we hear where a woman, and this blows my mind, will take her baby and stick it in a microwave and warm it up. Or here of a kid, of a parent, maybe she didn't understand, maybe she didn't really know, but her boyfriend had put vodka in a water bottle, and she mixing up formula for her little baby, mixed it with the vodka, and the baby is in serious condition. Is this a blessing? Is it a blessing to go into a grocery store, or any store and hear children practically cursing their parents. No. It's not a blessing to see crime and filth, starvation, rape, murder. You're afraid to walk down the streets of the bigger cities and even some of the smaller cities. Many years ago in Fort Myers, a small town. I mean, Fort Myers at the time was only about 17,000 people. And a member of the Church of God walking downtown was mugged in a little town on the main street. Is this a blessing? When you lock everything up because you're afraid of other people? So here he says, blessed you be in the city. Brethren, we can be blessed in this city if we do our part. That is a blessing. This little community. I don't care what the county says. I'm not worried about them coming up here. It's God's problem. He promises to bless us. That's his problem. What the state does about the water, I'm not worried about that either. That's God's problem. He promises a blessing. But I've got to do my part, don't I? You've got to do your part. Listen to everything God has to say. And blessed shall you be in the field, seeing our fields produce whatever it takes, whatever it's needed. You know, we've, we've read the scriptures. It says that we're supposed to come out of the cities. And that's great, because they're not blessed. You come out of the villages, come out of the city, come to the, to the desert, and he'll bless us. And so we came here, and we do that. We're here looking for a blessing from God, but we still have to do our part. And it goes on down here, tells all these blessings, the fruit of our body. Think of that. What is the fruit of your body? Is that your children? Keep your finger here and go to Psalms, the book of Psalms. Well, let's see here. Chapter 127, book of Psalms 127. God says he's going to bless the fruit of our bodies. Psalm 127. Except the Lord build the house, the laborer, uh, they labor in vain that build it. So unless God is building this little city here, if we if it's all our efforts, we're we're doing it in vain. It's not it's worthless, it says. Except the Lord keeps the city, the watchman watches but in vain. So we set people out here to watch? If God is not here, 
if Emmanuel, and we should be able to say that and know it, but Emmanuel, God with us, is here. All the things we do are in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrow, for so he gives his beloved sleep. He blesses his beloved with sleep, not with fear. Lo, children are the heritage of the Lord. I did a sermon that at the feast. How our children are just loaned to us. They're just here on, on what borrowing them. We have a responsibility back to God with our children. He says, children are the heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Our children are a reward. They're a blessing to us. So I get to go back to Florida and Tennessee and get to visit with all but two of my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren in that trip. These are blessings. Because I look at that and say, hey, that's a blessing. No, I looked at all the problems. But there was a blessing there. I was able to visit with 19 of my grandchildren. No. Yeah, I guess it's 19 of my grandchildren and one great-grandchild. Well, that's a blessing. And visit, and, and visit with my own children, too. As arrows are in the hands of a mighty man, so are children of your youth. Your children are such a blessing to you as parents. They're like arrows. They're like having a, a battle coming up and you have them there to help and protect you. Do we recognize that? Do we see that as a blessing? I just want to go through some of the blessings that God has given to each one of us. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with their enemy, uh, speak with the enemy in the gates. Your children are going to be there. They are literal blessings to each one of us. Fantastic to think about that as a blessing that comes from the Father. Chapter 28. <clears throat> Blessed is everyone that fears the Lord. If you have a total respect of God, he said, you will be blessed. If you understand what he's doing for you. Blessed is everyone that fears the Lord, that walks in his ways. Again, as Deuteronomy pointed out, we have to do his ways. For you shall eat the labor of your hands. Happy shall you be, and it shall be well with you. Because God's going to bless us with the labor of our hands. He's going to bless us with a lot of things. Your wife shall be a fruitful vine by your side of, the, of your house. Your children, like olive plants, round about your table. So husbands, do you look at your wife as a fruitful vine, as a tremendous blessing? I look at my wife as a tremendous blessing. She's been a real blessing to me for 48 years. It's been fantastic. And my children are, are like all the twins. No, they don't do right because I made mistakes. And when it's the Father's desire, He will bring them. I understand that too. Behold that thus shall a man be blessed that fears the Lord. The Lord shall bless you out of Zion, and you shall see good in Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, you shall see your children's children and peace upon Israel. Are we looking for that? That's a blessing, isn't it? To look at peace that's going to come. And, you know, for years we've tried to push God's program ahead. <laughs> and sometimes we get discouraged when we say, oh, another 15, 20 years. I'm too old. Will I be around? Because we try to push God ahead on his program. So God promises blessings in our children. The fruit 
of the womb. Our children are blessings. He goes on to type about back in Deuteronomy 28, blessed shall you be your basket in the store, the things you bring in you're going to be blessed with. And the Lord shall cause your enemies to rise up against you to be smitten before your face. Is that something that we're looking for? That's going to be a blessing too, isn't it? There's coming a time as we understand that the world will be against God's children. And he says that he'll take care of them. Even though they rise up against us and they're going to, <laughs> it's a, in God's sight, it's a done deal. We look for it to happen. But he promised to protect us. And you can read on through all of those. Those are blessings that God offered to a nation who didn't fear God. He offered all these blessings if we would just, what? Hearken to his voice. Just listen. Just pay attention. Just turn around your life. He offers that to you and to me right now, doesn't he? He says, this is what you have in front of you as a blessing. Too often we can't wait for those blessings to happen, though, as I brought that out. I can remember back in the 64, coming on up, Christ is going to return. We felt, and I think God does this, he's done it to the apostles. They thought Christ would return in their lifetime, and he didn't. But back in 64, 5, 6, 7, 8, we talked about the return of Christ in 1972. Well, in 75, we talked about 1982 or 85. And then I think, because we're human, we're not getting the blessings that God pours to us, so maybe God doesn't really bless us all the time. You know, we get lethargic. Revelation chapter 3, verse 17 on. We become Laodiceans, didn't we? And the whole church was Laodicean. We were Laodicean. Hopefully, we're not Laodicean now. What's our attitude? We have everything we want. We don't need any more. We don't need any more teaching. We don't need any more training. We don't need any more correction. If that's our attitude, then you have more Laodiceans. Because then we're saying we're increasing goods and need nothing. But that's not the case. We want to push God's program up. So when we came out here, well, we could see, you know, I can remember back in 1980, 1998, uh, talking with Lon Lacey and we're thinking in 98, 99, in the fall of 99, 2000's coming, all the computers are going to crash, Christ is going to return. They solved the problem. We tried to push it ahead, didn't we? We tried to, come on God, we're ready to go. <laughs> but were we ready to go? I don't think so, because we didn't know that we were keeping Passover long, so I can pretty well say, we did not know and, and we were not ready for that time because there were, as Malachi says, when Elijah comes, he will restore all truths. Well, we're just restoring some of them now. We restore Passover, the, the procedure, Passover as the holy day. And that wasn't church taught. Now, we taught the 15th was the most important day. Now, we said, well, Passover was an important day, but the 15th, that's going to be an important day. It took God out of the picture. But here we've learned that. We've learned that there's something more to atonement than uh, the Azazel being taken out in the wilderness. We've learned that it represents the marriage of the Lamb to the bride. A fantastic blessing there, isn't it? That's something we've learned. 
There are many things we're still learning. We've learned how the minor prophets relate to the church. We've understood that there was uh, a famine coming. We heard that in the sermonette today. There's coming a famine when people will not, the church will not know the truth. They will be starving to death for truth and can't find it. So those are things we didn't know back in 99. We didn't know that back in 2000, one, two, three. These are things we're learning. So we're basically not ready. So we're not ready to push God's program ahead until all truth is restored. The blessings that he's offered to us. You know, Jacob was promised um, to be a nation of many people. And what happened? Well, it didn't happen quick enough, did it? So he and his mama got together and they figured out how they could push the program ahead. And they stole the birthright. <laughs> we do that all the time, don't we? Pushing God's program ahead. And God will do it on his time frame. He will bless us in the way he wants us to be blessed. Here's a blessing that sometimes we don't really give a lot of thought to. God's greatest gift or blessing, God's greatest blessing to you and to me, oh, I shouldn't say greatest, one of the greatest blessings, because there are several, God's blessing is turning us from evil. Can, can you believe that? That that is a blessing? We're sinners. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned. Each one of us. We're all sinners. <laughs> we all are sinning. God says, I'm going to bless you by taking you away from sin. So, he called us, given us understanding that we've got to change. And it's a blessing to be able to turn away from that. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Verse 22. Acts 3.22. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall you hear in all things, whatsoever he shall say unto you. Talking about Christ. Talking about Emmanuel. He's going to bring a prophet and raise him up. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. We have to listen. We have to take time to see what God has to say. You know, like they say, you have to take time to smell the roses. Just to see the flowers ain't good enough. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken have likewise foretold of these days today. This day and time. Yes, Paul was speaking to those people in that day and time, but this is speaking to us today. They spoke of what was about to occur in our lifetime. You, us, those that God's calling, you are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our father, saying unto Abraham, And in your seed shall all kindreds of the earth be blessed. Us, the world, will be blessed with the seed that's right now living if we are listening and changing. And unto you, first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, the Emmanuel, said unto, sent him to bless you in turning every one from his iniquities. Emmanuel came to turn us 
from our sins. That is the blessing from God. He wants a family. And that is part of that blessing that he brought as well. We don't think it. And yet, blessings come in correction. Sometimes we do things and we're, you know, we're punished. But you know, it's a blessing because if God corrects you, you can turn around and say, God loves me. Otherwise, you'd be like the rest of the world. God's not dealing with them right now. They live their life. They live and die. They war. They fight. They, they do all these things. God's not interested. He's not, he, he, he's not having a hand in it because his blessing is with those that he's singling out. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Blessings can are or come to us in trials and some correction. So sometimes we get trials and we say, man, I can't handle this. <laughs> Why am I being punished? Because it's a blessing. In disguise, maybe? No, it's a blessing because God loves you. Proverbs 3, verse 11 and 12. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. Do you love your children? Do you correct them? Do you spank them? Do you require them to say, yes, sir? Yes, ma'am? Do you require them to be friendly, loving, helpful? So does God. He requires that of us. He requires of us to say, yes, sir. And that becomes a blessing. So if we don't, if we get down in the mouth or whatever, God corrects us. We say, man, this is a, this is a terrible. I'm, being, I'm, I'm not being blessed. Well, maybe you are, and you don't see it, because it's a trial to make you better in relationship with God. Hebrews 12. The book of Hebrews. Hebrews 12, verse 7. If you endure chastening, now here, thinking, sometimes it can be a real trial. Two or three weeks of Everything going downhill? That can be a trial. You can say, man, how much good do I have to go through? God's sitting up and saying, just change. Just say, yes, sir. I'll make a change. I'm sorry. says, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as a son. So, what if you say, I don't want no more. I was able to talk to somebody and try to point them in a direction. They're not in the church. One of my relatives. As soon as I started talking and telling telling the person, you know, you need to respect yourself and make some changes and you know do these things, looking off someplace else. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be told what's wrong. I don't want you to tell me I've got to make a change. Is that what happens in our life? God points us in the right direction, but we look off the other way. I don't want you to talk to me. You know, you kind of close your ears, your understanding to what God's trying to tell you. But God says if you endure it, and God deals with you as a son, for what son is he whom a father chases not. If you really love your children, you will try to show them and bring them into a point where they will grow up and be a loving, respectable, God-fearing person. God deals with us in that same manner, doesn't he? He's blessing us by spanking us. And I hear people say, if you ignore these things, you know, a child's going to say, Sure, beat me. 
Well, it says the same thing to us. It's got to come up to you and say, well, you want me to correct you today? No, I you should correct me today. Maybe we should say, yes, sir. I've got something wrong here. Straighten me out. And if it takes chastisement, bring it on. No, we're human. We don't want that. But yet God has to do that because he loves you. He's blessing you because he wants you to be part of his family. You see, that's the blessing there. But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, you're going to get it anyway. Then are we bastards and not sons? If we don't want to be corrected, then God says, you're not part of my family. I don't want to be that way. Do you? Do you want to be God to look to you and say, you're a bastard. You're not part of my family. Because you don't want to be corrected. You don't want me. So I don't. So you're not part of my family. Is that the way we want to be? I don't want to be that way. I know you don't. But sometimes we find ourselves in that situation. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. When we go through a trial and correction, we get on our knees and say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Emmanuel. Because there was something I've done wrong. Do I really, totally respect my father? I've seen my children, and been to school with one of my children, and told the counselor there, my child respects authority. My child disrespects someone that has no authority. Someone that just is, okay, you can, you can, you know, just, just there. They don't respect them. So if God corrects you, you go through a trial and it was hard. And you say, thank you. I really appreciate that, looking back on it. I think Gary Smiley talked about, and he did a lot of sermons on family relations, and he talked about how families would go out camping and they'd do things, and at the time it didn't look good. It was horrible, it might have hurt, but later on they could go back and look back at that incident and learn from it, be, be smiling and happy in, in, in some cases, and grow from it. Well, when we're corrected, this is the greatest thing at the time. But we can turn around down the days and look back and say, thank you. I didn't know that I was doing that wrong. Thank you for pointing me that way. Because now I understand you really blessed me because you love me. So, do we respect our Father? Do we give Him reverence? Shall not, shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits? Here he pointed out, we respect our parents as children who came up, all of us older people, we came down the same line. I mean, you young people, you can ask your parents, were you ever corrected? Of course we were. Were you ever spanked? Probably. At least most of us that are more than 40 years old have probably been spanked more than once because back in those days, spanking was a tool to bring you to reverence and respect your parents. And nowadays, they say, if you do that, you, you do away with the relationship. It doesn't make sense. Because all it does now is cause disrespect. And so we have the greatest number of jails in the world of disrespect. So should, if we respected our parents for correcting us, don't we respect God more? Shouldn't we respect God with the greatest joy? Because he loved us enough and showered that as a blessing on us. Because he wants us to be a part of what he's doing. For they truly, or for they verily, for a few days chastised us after their own pleasure. And sometimes as parents, I can remember doing that. 
spanking your kids because it didn't please me. Maybe I did it wrong. Maybe I did it right. But God does it right all the time. There's no maybes about it. His way is always right. They chastise for their own pleasure, but he, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. That's where the blessing is. You be partakers of God's holiness when he corrects you. So you can be blessed in that area. Wherefore, um, let's see. Now, no chastisement for the present seems to be joyous. No. We don't enjoy it. Our children don't enjoy saying, okay, you did this wrong, bend over, you get two swats. They're going to enjoy two swats. Or one. Or being put in the corner. Or being scolded. Or having things taken away. You know, you can't drive your car or you can't um, watch TV, which you shouldn't be watching anyway, maybe. But, you know, taking things away, at that moment, it's not joyous for them, is it? But it's for their profit that we might be partaking. Uh, I read that. It's not joyous that when it happens that way, is it? But grievous, nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So it brings peace and righteousness and joy. Afterwards, because now they respect their parents. And if you can't respect your parents' children, you'll never respect God. Or anybody else. You first step, start respecting yourself and then your parents. And then it goes on from there. Wherefore, lift up the holy hands which hang down and the feeble knees. So we become weak, we you know, we're beaten, we're, we're hurt. God says, pick them up. Be thankful. God loves you. You're partaking in God's holiness now. That is a blessing. Another blessing, and I'm going to touch this lightly, will be that God blesses you by forgiving your sins. He corrects you for sins, and that's a blessing that he loves you enough to point you in the right direction. But he also blesses you by forgiving you and putting your sins out from him. He says he puts your sins as far away as the east from the west. You repent to God, they're gone. Sometimes we open the closet door and bring those skeletons out. But with God, they're gone. He, his blessing is I will forget your sins. Take David. Murder. He was a warmonger. Committed adultery. Psalm 51. He repents. And what did God say about David, king of Israel? He was a man after God's own heart. Because he repented. Because he turned around, he said, I'm wrong. Forgive me. And God wiped it out. Forgot it. Had to have. He said, he's a man after my own heart. He's somebody to look to. Promised him to be in charge of all Israel in the world tomorrow. The king over Israel. So David did things wrong. And yet God forgot his sins. Romans 4, verse 7 and 8. Romans chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquity are forgiven. See there, he says it is a blessing to have your sins, your contrariness, your stubbornness, your self-righteousness, Forgiven, and whose sins are covered. They're covered by the blood of Christ. That is a blessing, brethren. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Can we grasp 
the great blessings that God offers to each and every one of us. He will not impute sin to us. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is a man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. That, you know, we get out there and we want to share our lives. We've heard this in sermons over the past five years, six years. We're not to be a part of the world. And here in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. You don't spend your time. You're not... They're not your counselors. They're not who you deal with on a daily basis. You are blessed if that's not what you're doing. That's why he says in Revelation 18.4, Come out of this world. You don't want to be a partaker of their sins. So you're not counseling or spending time with the ungodly. Nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scornful. But he delights in the law of the Lord, and his law does meditate day and night. Try doing that. Putting that there. That's the blessing. God showed to us his law. It's a blessing. It's not, you know, people say, that's a burden. I don't know. That's a blessing to know God's way. It is a blessing to know God's way. First Peter three, verse eighteen. First Peter three, verse eighteen. It's a blessing. Have these things. It's a blessing to have God forgive your sin. For Christ also has once suffered for sin. We can be really thankful. We should get on our knees and say, thanks for allowing Emmanuel to give up his life. Can you imagine you're giving a son or a daughter and stand there and watch them die for these people that are murdering and putting and doing all these rotten things? It's hard to do. It's hard to imagine that. Oh, he did. He did that, didn't he? For Christ also once suffered for sin, that just for the, the, the just for the unjust, that might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened in the spirit. All that was done as a blessing for you and for me. You go back and read that hymn we sang, the second hymn today. Psalm, hymn number 25. Blessed are they who are forgiven. Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. That's a blessing. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputes not, uh, imputes no iniquity, in whose spirit there is no guile. What do we do? Do we have guile in our life? Now, if we're putting that out, we're blessed. All these things are blessings coming to God, to us, from God, to us, because He blessed and He loves us. I have a lot more scriptures, but I'm going to go on to another point here. Sometimes we don't receive the blessings in this life. We want them. We don't receive the blessings. What did Abraham do? Remember that blessing God gave to him? I will give you all that you can see. But he never got it. So we look for blessings, physical blessings, don't we? Things that will be good for me. That will make me happy. That will make me joyous. That will make me at peace. God told Abraham... Look out there. All that you see, that's yours. He didn't get it. Never received that. But what did Abraham do? Hebrews 11. 
Hebrews chapter 11 goes through a lot of names of people that never received blessings. People that were killed. Hebrews 11 verse 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into the place which should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out not knowing whether he was going. So he was told to go out there. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as a stranger in a country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Did they receive that promise? In their lifetime? For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker was God. He didn't receive it. He could see it in the future. He knew it was promised to him. Did he get discouraged and say, forget this? You tell me you're going to give me this and then give it to me. I'm going home. How many times have we seen that this day and time in the church today? We didn't get the blessing we thought we were going to get, so I'm going home. I'm going back to where I was. Sad state. Because they're going to miss out on a blessing that's offered to each one of us. How many times have I said, God has 144 crowns? He's offered it to you. If you say, forget this, Max. I'm going back to my house, my children, my whatever. I'm going to get out of this place. What are you doing? Saying, Here's the crown. Take it back. I don't want it. I'm going to tell you, you do that. Forget it. Because you're missing out on a fantastic blessing that you can't imagine that's offered to you. So Abraham was offered something he didn't get. But what did he do? He hung in there, didn't he? He stayed with it. And God said he is a father of the faithful because he never gave up on God. He's seen the blessing. Too often, we're looking for blessings that our nose can touch. You know, they're here right in front of us. We don't look at the distant future. That's where the blessings are. This life is only temporary. These physical things, the cars, the house, the food, the clothes, all these things are only physical. They're only temporary. They're only here for a short while. Are they blessings? Yeah, they're blessings for this life. But true blessings are in the future. True blessings come from God. And you can read through here. These people were beaten. These people were slaughtered in half. These people were starved. Never received the blessings promised to them. Did they give up? No. Rahab was offered the same blessing in here. She was blessed protection of her wife and her family. If she would have been found out that she had protected the spies, they would have killed her on the spot. But she trusted God. And she was blessed at that time, and she will be blessed, as we read here, in the future, with a crown. That's the greatest blessing. That crown of life. We look for physical things. We look for blessings today. Oh, I wasn't blessed. I mean, there are all these problems and problems and problems. It seems like it gets worse. Maybe we need to get on our knees and say, let's uh, stop the spanking. I'm, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Or are we so stubborn sometimes to say, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. So we keep getting spanked. I ain't going to do it. It's spanked again. Finally, we come to the point to say, okay, <laughs> that's enough. I'll change. I'll give up. I want to be a part of what you're doing. I'll make my change. 
Abraham and all these people listed in here look for blessings they never received in their physical life. Micaiah knew that if he told King Ahab what was going to go down, he would be killed. Instead, he was thrown in prison on bread and water. We know not whether he was ever taken out. And all he did was believe God and know he looked for a blessing not in this life, but he looked for a city, as Abraham did, that was built by God. I wanted to go through some of Matthew 5, but Beryl did in a few sermons. Talks about you and me. Blessings for us. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, those people who see they're wrong. Do you see you're making mistakes? Then you're blessed. <laughs> you have to say it. Hey, I'm going down the wrong path. God blessing me. Blessed are those that mourn because you see you made mistakes and now you realize, hey, I've got to change. I can't continue on this way. So you, you're mourning. You're crying over. Well, I've got to change. You're meek because you're teachable. You hunger and thirst because you can't get enough of what God wants to give you. As he showers blessings on you of what? Knowledge? Of understanding? Of a better way of life? An opportunity? God is offering us a lot of blessings. One of the big blessings that maybe we haven't really looked at is he's offering us a blessing to be the bride of Christ. A blessing, brother, that is so phenomenal. It's a blessing to the Father. It's a blessing to Emmanuel. To the Father because he sees a bride and a children born into his family. A blessing to Emmanuel because he sees his wife. As I was putting this down, I thought of myself. Forty-eight years ago, as I stood with others around me, the witnesses there, and down the aisle came this beautiful young lady. And I was so filled with joy and peace and, and happiness and excitement. And I think of, what's Christ doing? He's looking at his bride coming to him. He's going to be so filled with joy and peace and happiness and excitement. And that is a fantastic blessing for him. Do we look at it that way? This life is only temporary. The physical things we get are only for today. They'll disappear. Your trucks break down, your cars break down, your house might burn down, or crops might fail. Those are only temporary. What's permanent is to be the bride. A blessing that is so far beyond anything else to be a part of that first fruit. Not just any fruit. First fruit. First fruits are what? They're the first pickings. But what does God say? Many were called, called to be first fruits, but few are chosen. He's only going to choose the best. So of the first fruits, only the best will be there. There was an example for us today. We are to be first fruits. We are to be the best. Can you look at that as a blessing? So what do we look forward to today? What, what blessings are we looking for? The things that are physical, temporary, here with us. Things that will please us. 
that would be beneficial to us? Or are we looking for the, the blessings that are showered on us by our Father, the blessing of being one? You know, I've never been there. I've never been a bride, so I don't know how the bride felt as she walked down the aisle to see her husband standing there waiting for her. I don't know how she felt. You women know. Whether it was excitement or whether it was, oh no. I, I suspect it was fantastic. Look at, there's the beautiful, most handsome, strong human being around. That's mine. And the husband, to be, looks down there and says, my boy, the best of all. Isn't that what Ahaz Harias did? He chose the best of the virgins? That's our blessing, brethren. We are to be the best of the first fruit. We are to be the ones that God is going to marry. We're the ones that we're going to take on that new name. Just as that bride walks down at us, she says, that's mine. Read through Song of Songs. The whole relationship of Christ and the church, that's us. That's what's for us. We're going to take on Emmanuel's name. The bride going down there says, there's, there's my husband. I'm going to be his. I'm going to take his name. Is that a blessing? You bet. That is the greatest blessing. So what blessing are you looking for today? Today? Or are you looking for a blessing that won't end? <laughs>